Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. There's a large group gathered around a fire just outside the village. They were enjoying the warmth and the light and the conversation. But as the night wore on, one by one and in small groups, people wandered off. Some of them needed to get home, have a sleep, prepare themselves for the challenges of tomorrow. Others went off in search of a late night snack. But eventually there was just two men left beside that fire. They were brothers and best friends for as long as they could remember, which was a pretty long time because they were not as young as they used to be. I wonder if they sat by the fire that night. Andrew and Peter realized that one day they'd be famous. Two of Jesus' 12 disciples. Two of the apostles that Jesus chose to begin the spread of the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Like, I wonder if as they sat by the fire that night, brothers and best friends, if they knew that Peter would go down in history as the guy who preached the first sermon that kind of got the church kick-started, this movement that God has used to change billions of lives throughout history. I wonder if Andrew and Peter that knew that night that one day people like you and me would be speaking about them 2,000 years later. Did they know? I doubt it. Did they care whether they were famous and whether they went down in history? I'm quite sure they did not. That night, they sat by the fire, brothers and best friends, talking about their wives and their kids and their grandkids. And every time Andrew and Peter got together, eventually the conversation drifted towards Jesus. That day, 25 years earlier, when Andrew was hanging around with John the Baptist, and Jesus walked by, and John the Baptist pointed at Jesus and said, Andrew, that's the Lamb of God. That's the Messiah. That's the Savior. Follow him. And Andrew did. And it didn't take Andrew very long to figure out that Jesus was everything that John the Baptist said he was. So he went and he got his big brother, Peter. He said, hey, Peter, I met somebody. Come with me. You got to meet him too. They sat by the fire that night, 25 years later, brothers and best friends. They talked about history, what it was like to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus, what it was like to be there when he cast out demons, healed people, performed miracles. They talked about that day when Jesus fed thousands of people just with just five small barley loaves and two fish. And how amazing was it when after everybody had eaten their fill, they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. And one of Andrew's favorite stories happened that same night. After Jesus got done feeding thousands of people with just five loaves and two fish, that night the disciples got in a boat and they headed across the Sea of Galilee. They hit a storm and so they weren't making much headway. So at about 2.30 in the morning, they look, Jesus is walking on the water beside their boat. You know what Peter does? Peter says, hey Jesus, can I give it a crack? And Jesus says, sure Peter, jump out of the boat. And Peter did it. He jumped out of the boat. He made it for a few steps, and then he got scared, and he started to sink. And Andrew is still laughing about it 25 years later. He says, Peter, would Jesus put you back in the boat? You look just like a drowned rat. Hilarious. Peter used the same comeback that he always used every time that story came up. He's like, oh, yeah, Andrew. 
at least they had the guts to get out of the boat, unlike you other 11 wingnuts. Andrew looked at Peter and said, that's true, Peter. That's really true. And then they both, both burst out laughing. They talked about what it was like to eat that Passover meal with Jesus. It became known as the Last Supper. What it was like when Jesus knelt down and washed the disciples' feet, and he looked at them and he said, I didn't step into human history to be served, but to serve others, and you need to do the same. And how Peter and Andrew were crushed when Jesus was betrayed and arrested and beaten and mocked and nailed to a cross where he died. They thought all was lost. But on the third day, he rose again, just as he said he would. And Andrew and Peter realized all was actually one. And then Jesus hung around with them for about 40 more days before he ascended into heaven. And here's the truth. That night as they sat, Andrew and Peter, beside that fire, brothers and best friends, they knew that it wasn't gonna be too long and they were gonna see Jesus again. They knew that they didn't have a lot of time left on this planet. And for Peter, he wasn't scared of dying. But there was something that he needed to do. There was a conversation that he knew that he needed to have. He'd known about it for a long time. But every time he tried to tell his little brother what he knew he needed to tell him, he got choked up. So he didn't tell him. But as they sat by the fire that night, brothers and best friends, Peter knew that he might not get another chance. So he said, hey, Andrew. Andrew said, what? You remember that day when you met Jesus and then you came and you found me? And Andrew says, yeah, of course. And then he looked at Peter and Peter had tears in his eyes. Well, now it's awkward. It's emotional now. And Andrew doesn't want it to get emotional. He's like, yeah, Peter, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I would have done the same for you or you would have done the same for me. And he looked down, but Peter grabbed Andrew's hand in both of his. He said, you need to look at me, Andrew. You need to listen. You came. And you found me. And you brought me to Jesus. I love you, little brother. Thank you. Andrew tried to answer, but now he was choked up too. So he just smiled and he nodded. And they sat there beside the fire, brothers and best friends for a long time, in what could best be described as grateful and beautiful silence. John chapter one, starting at verse 35. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. 
Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What an awesome passage. This is the early stages of Jesus' ministry. This is what you might refer to as the pre-launch. So much to learn in a passage like this. There's three things that I want us to focus on today. Number one, who is Jesus? Number two, how do we relate to God? And number three, how do we relate to each other? So first of all, who is Jesus? Again, John the Baptist said, hey, he's the Lamb of God. So we need to park there for just a second. Because the Jewish people listening to John the Baptist would have known exactly what he was talking about when he said, Jesus is the Lamb of God. See, about a thousand years earlier, the Jewish people were in bondage in Egypt. They were enslaved, they were abused, they were being raped and murdered and mistreated in every way, and they called out to God, deliver us. And God answered their prayer by sending this man named Moses. And God sent Moses to Pharaoh, who was a leader of the Egyptians. And Moses said, Pharaoh, God has a message for you. Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. So God began to do signs and wonders through Moses, and Pharaoh still said, no. And then God sent a series of plagues on the nation and the people of Egypt, each of them with increasing intensity. And every time before the plague, God would send Moses to Pharaoh and say, God says, let his people go. And Pharaoh said, no. Until finally, after the ninth plague, God sent Moses again. And Moses said, Pharaoh, there's a plague coming unlike every other plague. You need to let God's people go. Or every firstborn son in all of Egypt is going to be struck down. And Pharaoh said, okay, then I'll let your people go. Just kidding. I'm not going to. And the plague came. But before it did, God sent Moses to the Jewish people, and he said, for every household, this is what you need to do. You need to sacrifice a pure, spotless lamb. And then you need to take the blood of that, bland, that, that lamb and brush it onto your doorposts, so that when the angel of death comes through Egypt, it will pass over your house. This is exactly what happened. The, the plague came and passed over all the Jewish homes. And at the end of that plague, Pharaoh said, get out of here. And the Jewish people left. And God brought them eventually into what's called the promised land. So, so, so what he did was he brought them out of bondage into beautiful. Out of bondage into beautiful. What I want to suggest John the Baptist was saying back then, 2,000 years ago, was this. Back during the Passover, when the Jews needed to leave Egypt. They sacrificed a pure, spotless lamb one time for one people. John the Baptist was saying, there's another lamb coming. 
the Lamb of God, and his sacrifice will be for all time and all people, for all time and all people. And when Jesus died on the cross, what it meant was he came to deliver you and deliver me out of bondage into beautiful. So what I want to suggest to you today is that we need to take a page out of the Israelites' books way back then. If you are in bondage, no, it's October of 2022. Whatever area of your life you are in bondage in today, because we all have areas of bondage, you need to cry out to God. Jesus came. He's the Lamb of God. He takes us out of bondage into beautiful. So what's your bondage? Maybe for you it's generational. Like the, tr the truth is, if you look back at the generations in your family, it's been addiction and abuse and addiction and abuse, generation after generation after generation after generations. There's this cycle of sorrow rolling through the generations of your family, hurting people, hurting people over and over and over again. Broken people, breaking people over and over and over again. And I want you to know something that God wants you to be a Moses for the generations of your family. That because Jesus came, he came to bring us out of bondage into beautiful. What I'm saying is this, that Jesus wants to hand you an ax to take to the poisonous roots of your family tree. That you can stand up in the generations of your family and say, enough! Enough. Enough addiction, enough abuse. The hurt stops here. The brokenness stops here. Because of Jesus, you can be a Moses to the generations of your family. So what's your bondage? Maybe it's scars from the pain of your past, which is so hard, right? The unchangeable past, the unchangeable past, the unchangeable past. The Bible says Jesus is the great physician, the physician of all physicians, the physician of all physicians. And your past may be unchangeable, but it's not unhealable. He can heal you. The band sang a line earlier that really caught my ear. It said, he gives us a peace that makes no sense. See, maybe the truth is for you, if, if, if we look back at your life, we might say, man, after everything that's happened to you, we can't change the past. After everything that's happened to you, you could never have peace again. But Jesus says, I'm the physician of all physicians. I'm the Lamb of God. I can bring you out of bondage into beautiful. Maybe your bondage is guilt and shame and regret. Condemnation for the things that you've done wrong. And the problem with the past is it's unchangeable, right? You can't go back and unsay that thing that you said. You can't go back and undo that thing that you did. You can't. But Jesus is the Lamb of God. When he died on that cross, he came to perform what we call the beautiful exchange. The beautiful exchange. Jesus says to you and says to me today, how about this? How about you hand me your baggage? How about you hand me your regret? How about you hand me your shame? How about you hand me your sin? And in exchange, Jesus says, what I will give you is life. What I will give you is freedom. What I will give you is salvation. I'll give you something beautiful, a new day, a fresh start, eternal life that starts now and stretches into forever. Who is he? He's the lamb of 
God. We call out to him just like the Israelites did 3,000 years ago. And he still delivers. He still delivers. He brings us out of bondage into beautiful. Okay. So who is Jesus? He's the Lamb of God. So what does that mean when we talk about how you and me relate to God? It's really interesting. Because we're taking this journey through the Gospel of John. And talked about the fact that I really believe that if you're new or newish, whether you're watching online or in person, that Jesus wants to introduce himself to you. Or if you've been in church for years and years and years, he wants to reintroduce himself to you. He wants you to know him. And if you know him, he wants uh, you to know him better. Stop. Because it's just easy to say that, right? Oh, Jesus wants you to know him. And if you know him, he wants you to know him better. It's easy to say that. Can I state the obvious here? That means he wants to speak to you. That means he wants to speak to you. That means he doesn't just speak to Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. He's still speaking today. So just like the Israelites, we cry out to God, and, and we understand that he still speaks to us. So let's go through the people that Jesus speaks to in this story. First of all, he speaks to Andrew. How does he speak to Andrew? Well, through a preacher. Through a preacher, one of the greatest preachers of all time, John the Baptist. Jesus comes walking by, Andrew's with John the Baptist. Andrew says, hey, or sorry, John the Baptist says, hey, Andrew, there he is, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the Savior, follow him. Do you know something crazy? God still speaks through preachers. Now, I'm not saying I'm John the Baptist. Okay, don't live on locusts and wild honey for one thing, but for a lot of other reasons, I'm not John the Baptist. But I will tell you this, every single time I get up here, I do my very best to step out of the way and point you to Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one who brings us from bondage to beautiful. That's my goal every single time I speak. And sometimes he speaks to us in a general way through a preacher. Right, so earlier we were talking about how he wants to break generational bondage. And there's many of you watching online, there's many of you in person, that's your story. I know that. That's your story. And, 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 and when you hear that Jesus wants to give you an ax to take the, to the poisonous roots of your family tree, there's something encouraging about that, right? See, sometimes Jesus speaks through a preacher in a general way, and sometimes it's more specific than that. I have people come up to me all the time, email me all the time, text me all the time with something like this. They say, whoa, Mike, how did you know exactly what's going on in my life? How do you know the issues that I'm struggling with? How, how do you know what I did last night? You know, you, you preached about it this Sunday. And the reason, the answer to that question, how do I know so much about you? Is every night what I do is I take my car and I drive around Chilliwack and I wait for people to put their garbage out on the side of the road and I sift through your garbage. You can learn a lot about a person by looking through their garbage. No, I don't. How do I know that? I don't know that much about you. I don't. But God does. And God loves you. And God speaks to me at just the right time and then speaks through me to you. 
See, I can't stand up here and tell you God really wants you to know him and not remind you with everything inside of me, he's still speaking. Are we listening? We must. Philip. I love Philip. Jesus says, hey, Philip. Hey, Phil, follow me. And Philip's like, good idea. And he's just like, I love that. I love that. I've been thinking a lot about Philip because I think there might be some reasons why he was so ready. Maybe God's already been speaking to Philip. Right? As a Jewish kid, he would have been reading through the Bible, or at least parts of what we would now refer to as the Old Testament of the Bible. And it's so important, God still speaks through the Bible. That's why as a church, we've decided to take this journey through the Gospel of John. God still speaks through the Bible. Or maybe for Philip, God prepared him for that moment that Jesus said, follow me, because Philip was from a place called Bethsaida, which is in a region of Israel called Galilee. Beautiful, beautiful area. So maybe Philip looked around at creation and God spoke to him through creation to prepare him for that moment. But Jesus says, follow me, and Philip just does it. See, God speaks through peace. Did you know that? God speaks through peace. God speaks to you through peace. See, when you invite God into your life, when you invite him into your decisions, when you invite him into your conundrums, I just really wanted to use that word, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna look in option A, option A, here's option A, option A makes sense. You're pretty sure that option A is the way to go, but it might be option B, but it's probably not option B. But every time you think of option A, something inside of you, it doesn't feel right. Logically, option A makes more sense. But something inside of you, it doesn't feel right. And you think of option B and you're filled with this sense of peace. See, I think that that's what happened to Philip that day. Jesus says, follow me. And Philip says, that seems about right. Let's do this. And then there's Nathaniel. <laughs> Philip goes to Nathaniel. Hey, uh, we met the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's awesome. He's like, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Kind of like you and me with Toronto, right? That guy's from Toronto. Toronto? What? Can anything good come from Toronto? Nathaniel's a skeptic. And Jesus loves that. So, so maybe you would describe yourself as a skeptic. And I want to tell you, Jesus loves that. He looks at Nathaniel and he goes, man, there's a true Israelite, no deceit in that guy. I love that. Skeptics are awesome. A skeptic is someone who says, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true, but I'm gonna find out. Isn't that beautiful? A skeptic is someone who says, I don't think that's true, but I'm going to find out. That's a beautiful thing. Skeptics are truth Seekers, the Bible promises that when we seek him with all our heart, we will find him. God loves truth seekers. God will be found by truth seekers. Nathaniel's a skeptic. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true, but I'm going to find out. Now, you shouldn't confuse a skeptic with a cynic. Okay, skeptic says, I don't think that's true, but I'm going to find out. Okay? Truth seeker. Cynic says, I don't want that to be true. So I'm going to make sure that I show you it's false. You see the difference? 
Cynic says, I don't want that to be true, so I'm gonna make sure that I show you that it is false. A, a cynic is not a truth seeker. A cynic is a self-seeker. The problem with being a self-seeker is you will get exactly what you look for in life. If you spend your life as a self-seeker, you will find you. And the question that you'll be asking at the very end is, is that enough? So Nathaniel comes walking up. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, I saw you sitting under the fig tree before Philip came. And Nathaniel's like, whoa, whoa. And I think it's just kind of funny because it's like, whoa, that did it, you know? The fig tree, wow, something amazing about fig trees. And, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, 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 yeah. Here I am. Oh, Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. See, I think God still speaks to you and me in extraordinary ways if we are listening. Sometimes the band is playing and God will speak to you, give you an impression, give you a vision in an extraordinary way. I remember years ago, I was going through a real tough time in my life and the band was playing and I was singing along and I got this vision. It was just really, really quick. And here's what it was, but I still think about it all the time to this day. I'm standing there and beside me is this dude and he's jacked and he's big and he's got his arm around me and he's like the coolest guy I can just tell that I've ever met. And who is it? It's Jesus. And he's right there and we're standing and his arm is around me and I'm like, that's awesome. And it's like Jesus saying, hey, how are you? You ain't seen nothing yet. So maybe for you, it'll be a time in a small group when someone in your small group says, man, I feel like God gave me a message to give to you. And you'll know that it was just exactly right. And it's just God saying, hey, how are you? You ain't seen nothing yet. God still speaks in extraordinary ways to skeptics truth seekers. And finally, there's Peter. How does God speak to Peter? Through his little brother, through his little brother, Andrew. Isn't that awesome? And that brings me to point three. So we've talked about who is Jesus. He's the Lamb of God, brings us out of bondage into beautiful. How do we relate to God? Not only do we speak to him, but we listen for him. And thirdly, how do we relate to other people? Just like Andrew. Just like Andrew. Exactly like Andrew. That's how we relate to other people. We were placed on this planet with a purpose to relate to other people just like Andrew did. Jesus said it this way in Acts chapter 1. He said, You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. I really like that a lot. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. I, want you to, I, I could preach on this for like seven Sundays, but I want you to think about a courtroom. Lots of different roles in a court, right? Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. So I can give you a quick heads up. If you're a longtime church attender and you find that the role that you most assume in life is that of a judge, wrong role. Wrong role. If the primary role that you are playing in life is that of a judge, where you look at people or groups of people and you go, 
Good, bad, in, out, acceptable, unacceptable, wrong role, wrong role. If that's your primary role, that of a judge, wrong role. In the court, there are also lawyers, right? Lawyers. And I would say this, if you're a longtime church attender and you find the primary role that you assume in life is that of a lawyer, you just love to argue, you know? You argue in person. You argue online. You argue, argue via email or text. If you could argue via carrier pigeon, you would definitely do that also. You just love to argue. Here's the thing. If that's you, if the primary role that you've assumed in your life is lawyer, wrong role. Wrong role. Jesus says, I just want you to be my witnesses. Just tell the story. Just tell the story. Just tell the story. Tell the story with the life that you live and the words that you speak. Tell the story. Tell the good news with the life that you live and the words that you speak. I think there's three ways we do that. We need to be real, we need to be kind, and we need to be bold. We need to be real, we need to be kind, and we need to be bold. So first of all, we need to be real. I want you to imagine just for a second that earlier the band played, okay? The band got done playing, and then Dave Poole came up and he hosted, he did live announcements, did a great job of that. And then they played a little short video, okay? And then the video ended, but I didn't come walking out. By the way, I think of doing this every week because I just want to see how everyone would respond, but I barely ever do. Okay, <clears throat> but, but I didn't show up. And let's say for some reason you decided to stay. Okay, like maybe Leah came out there and said, hey, Mike's on his way, you know, just hang out. And so about seven minutes after I was supposed to be here, I come walking on stage and I'm like, whoa, so sorry I'm late. Uh, got a reason, got a reason, not an excuse, reason. Got a reason I was seven minutes late. You wanna hear it? Okay, I'm gonna, let's just pretend you said yes, okay, Andrew? Like you just stare at me, okay. Yes, I do, Mike. Okay, well, I'm glad you asked. Here it is. On my way to church today, walking on foot. I'm fit that way, okay? I'm crossing South Sumas, get run over by a gravel truck doing 80 clicks. Boom. So let's say I stand up here looking just like this and tell you that story. You're thinking to yourself, that's not true. That's not true. Like, you didn't get run over by a gravel truck going 80 kilometers an hour, man. Like, you can't, uh, you can't encounter <laughs> a force that great and remain unchanged. Got run over by a gravel truck, and you look at me and go, nah, that's not true. And yet, and yet, there are people who sit in church Week after week after week after week after week after week after month after year. And they say to people sometimes, hey, um, you got to meet Jesus. He changes everything. And they look at your unchanged life and they say, what do they say? That ain't true. Just like Mike Manis in the gravel truck. That's not true. See, I don't think the world's looking for you and me to be perfect. I don't. But I do think they're looking for us to make progress. And that, to use this word for the second time in this sermon, that is a bit of a conundrum. And here's why. I don't think trying harder makes it happen. 
I don't. I don't think trying harder makes it happen. I think for you and me, we need to consider praying a most dangerous prayer. To call out to Jesus and say this, Jesus, would you please change me? Would you please change me? And then use change me to change this world. Jesus, would you please change me? And then use change me to change this world. See, I think when we pray that prayer, he will change us. How? As we walk with him as we speak to him and listen for his voice in our life, he will inspire and empower us. The Bible says that people are gonna look at you more and more and go, man, you know what I see? I see love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control more and more. Not perfect, but progressing. See, that's real, right? If I would be changed by coming into an encounter with a gravel truck doing 80, then certainly I would be changed having an encounter with the most powerful force in the universe. Be my witnesses, he said. Be real. Secondly, be kind. Be kind. We talk about this a lot. Be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. You know what annoys me about that quote from Philo of Alexandria? Super smart guy. Kind of an annoying quote in some ways. In some ways, a little bit of an annoying quote, and here's why. Same here, Philo, same here. Everyone I meet is fighting a great battle. You know who else is? Me. Sometimes it's hard to be kind when you're having a bad day. I've officiated a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of weddings in my life. A lot of weddings. I don't do many anymore. A little bit too busy. But man, I did a lot of weddings for a while. And I had this go-to joke that I would tell, like for a few years, every single wedding ceremony I did, I would tell the same joke. The couple that you're marrying always wants you to make sure you include 1 Corinthians 13, okay? The love chapter, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not rude, proud, or self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong, doesn't delight in evil but rejoices in the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passage. Really difficult. Oh, so here's my joke. Love is patient, love is kind. I go through the whole list, right? And then I go, guys, you know what? I've just been thinking about that passage lately and kind of looking at my marriage, and I realize I've nailed it. This whole 1 Corinthians 13, it's pretty easy for me, to be honest. I'm always patient, I'm always kind, never grumpy, Never get angry, you know, never, never selfish at all. It's amazing. I've killed it. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor or something like that, right? And, and I don't tell that joke anymore for three reasons. Number one, uh, no one believes me. Now, when I started telling it, maybe I was just younger and more energetic. I would always get a few single people that were like, wow, that's awesome. Good, good job. You know, <laughs> it was just like, man, pastors are amazing. And then I felt like a liar, okay, but, but I'm, I'm joking, I'm jo you know? The second reason is because, well, invariably, you tell a joke too many times and someone would always come up to me and go, hey man, I was at a wedding last August, you told the same joke, loser. Okay, so that wasn't great. But mostly, mostly I stopped telling it because it's not really funny. It's sort of frustrating. If Jesus said, how will people know that you're my disciple? Love. Okay, okay. So what's love? Ooh. 
It's tough. See, I, I, I try in my own strength to pull that off. It's very, very difficult. So that prayer comes back to me. Jesus, would you please change me? And then you change me. So help me just to see a little bit like you see. Help me to care a little bit like you care. See, here's the thing. I say, hey, you gotta pray, and you gotta listen for God to speak. But then when he speaks, sometimes he says, hey, hey you want me to change you? Then when I speak to you, step into it. Jesus said to his disciples, I didn't step into human history to be served, but to serve. See, I think it's really, really countercultural in our world today to go from saying, what's in it for me, to how can I help, instead of asking, what's in it for me, beginning to ask, how can I help? See, I think we're changed when we serve. And I know Dave already gave you a spiel, so I'm not going to go over it again, but I would suggest to you that something amazing happens when you step out in obedience and just say, man, I'm not here to ask what's in it for me, when, I, when you start to ask, how can I help? So we're real. We're his witnesses by being real, by being kind, and finally by being bold. This is a tough one. Because Andrew went to Peter, and then he said, what? Hey, come on. There is someone that you just have to meet. It's been an intense few years. Is that one way to say it? It's been tough, right? In October of 2022, I would say this, what our world needs, what our city needs, what your family needs, what your neighborhood needs more than anything else, honestly, is Jesus. More than politics, way, way more than politics, more than psychology, more than self-help. What we need is Jesus. We need a bunch of people who meet Jesus and understand that they can be stepping out of bondage into something beautiful. How does it happen? Well, almost invariably it happens this way. God sends you to somebody, not as a judge, not as a lawyer, but just as a witness, you know? Hey, I met someone. I'm not perfect, but I'm changing. He's helped me, and I know that he can do the same for you. That's it. Something extraordinary is happening at this church. I think God has an anointing. God has a plan for this church. Every single week we meet, there's people that walk in here who have never walked into church before. And there's people like you and me, too, <laughs> that have walked into a church for years and years and years, but God is doing something. People are coming to know Jesus here. People are coming to know Jesus better here. So can I give you a suggestion? Why don't you invite somebody? Like, why don't we make a dent in this city? Why don't we make a change? <laughs> the team put together this thing. I've never been on it until a couple days ago. That if you text the word invite, you can text any word to that number and something will happen. But if you, if, <laughs> I'm sure, you know. <laughs> Idiot to 604-670-3040 you'll get a glamour shot of Mike, okay? So um, basically what that is is just to give you tools if you want to invite somebody. I was on it a couple days ago, and there's a video from Dave Poole, 
and he just walks, if you want to send it to your friend, walks him through the entire, this is the parking lot. This is the lobby. This is where you would go to check in your kids. This is, this is the coffee. This is everything. It's really cool, actually. As I close today, I was just thinking about that campfire. Andrew and Peter hanging out, you know? And I thought of you and me at a different campfire, just on the other side of eternity. We sit down by that fire and it's gonna be really, really cool because there's gonna be all the people who were close to us in those moments of our life when we were far from Jesus. Close to us when we were far from Jesus. Maybe it would be a mom or a dad, a grandpa or a grandma, kids church teacher, maybe a preacher, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach, maybe a brother or sister. It doesn't really matter, but it's gonna be pretty amazing to be able to look at them and say, hey, look at me, look at me. Thank you. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being kind. And thank you for being bold. You know who else is gonna be around that fire though? It's gonna be people that God used me or used you to make a difference in their life. What a moment that's gonna be. When they look at you, they look at me and they say, hey, thanks. You found Jesus and then you come, and you came, you came and you got me, and you told me, and you were real, and you were kind, and you were bold, and my life was changed. My family was changed. Everything was changed. Thank you. Let's pray. So I guess the first question I would ask you, whether you're online or in person, is this, how are you? Is there an area of your life right now that if you were completely honest, you would say, man, I got bondage. Might be generational, might be emotional, might be physical, might be financial. I don't know exactly what it is, but I do know this, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And he stepped into human history to set us free, to bring us out of bondage into something beautiful. God sent Jesus. He lived a sinless life and then he died on the cross. And on the cross, he performed what's called the beautiful exchange. Takes all our bad and gives us all his good. And then he rose again so we can too. So before I go any further today with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, I just wanna ask you, is today the day that you wanna accept that gift? Everything that needed to be done has been done. Is today the day that you say, Jesus, I'm so far from perfect but I believe in you and I ask you to lead me, lead me out of bondage into beautiful. If that's you today, I wanna to pray for you right now. Can you just raise your hand nice and high? Amazing. If you're online, I invite you to do the same thing. Something powerful about when you make that outward expression. It's great. If your hand is up right now, you can put it down. I just invite you as I pray out loud just to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, we come to you. You are the bondage breaker. Jesus, I hand you my past, all of it, all my hurt, all my scars, all my regrets, all my sin, everything. Thank you that you went to the cross so that I could walk away from that and find healing and hope, forgiveness and life. 
And Jesus, I thank you that you rose again so that I can too. Into a life worth living today, tomorrow, and forever. And Jesus, for all of us, those of us who have been in church for weeks or months or years or decades, we come to you and we pray, God, that we would be a people that would be quick to cry out to you, to know that you hear, but we would also be a people quick to listen, to lean into everything that you have for us. And finally, God, would you please make us real? Not perfect, but changing. Would you please make us kind? People that are actually willing to say in a world where this is so difficult, how can I help? And you please make us bold enough to make a difference. We thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. Well, I love you guys a lot. If you just raised your hand, whether you're online or in person, I invite you to text the keyword life to some number that I've said too many times now. I'm not saying it anymore, but uh, it's up on the screen. Yeah, we would love it if you would do that. So next week, we're launching into John chapter two, the first of Jesus' miracles. Man, oh man, is it good. So get yourself back here, bring somebody. I love you. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.